I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. So we are combining three of the things we love, podcast and then story and breakfast. And specifically, we're looking at the biggest story. We tend to read the Bible like it's something boring, um, a little more mechanical, when in truth it's full of all kinds of complicated characters and plenty of room for the imaginative. Uh, we're hoping that this could open up the way we read these stories, that we would see the people in them as real people and that that might help us connect to maybe God is real too, if the characters are real. We're going to look at a bunch of different stories in scripture and just ask the question, what did they eat for breakfast? And what did they want to eat for breakfast? And we're also just going to talk about what life felt like for them in the hope that maybe we'll see ourselves in the story and we'll see a real God moving through real people. We're calling this the breakfast translation. So we're on the road. Yes. We're trying something different. We busted out of our studio mm -hmm. and we're at a local diner in Columbus called Gina's Restaurant. You sure are. Do you hear the hustle and bustle around us? I know. Hopefully <laughs> we're trying it to see if we can get some ambiance, but you can also hear us. Order up? Yeah. Here we go. We'll just fake the order up, but we might get to hear a real one. So the place we're at is actually, it was one of my favorite places to come with my parents because it just became like a safety spot for us. Like we felt... We knew everybody who worked here. We knew how everything tasted. We became pretty regulars here. To the point that my favorite story about Gina's is the time that one of the servers said to my dad, I'll pray for you, but just so you know, I only pray on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. It's great, yeah, because he was on oxygen, and so it was pretty clear that he had some lung problems, and it turned out they had the same lung doctor. And I think that's the kind of thing that happens when you have like a local diner spot is you get to know people, you get to know what their lives are like and what their breakfast order is. And so they know exactly what I want when I come into Gina's uh, because I'm a regular and I always get the exact same boring thing. And so we're here to kind of honor the local diner restaurant. Do you have a favorite like that, like a place you go that makes you feel at home? Yes, Bill's Donuts in Centerville is really special to me. It's the place I always went back to when I came from college. All through high school, it'd be the place to go to to mark fun events, like after prom, the 24 hours is a, a really fun kind of option. Yeah, I think that's what's... Diners can also be like time traveling. Right. Where you're like, and Bill's is definitely like that. You feel like you're stepping back into. Yeah, it's because it stays so consistent. It's always, yeah. it's always the same place and it's always wonderful. Yes. And it has donuts. And very, like the best donuts, right? It's been ranked as like the best donuts in Ohio. What is it? Universe. It's, yeah, it's, it's won a lot of donut contests. Yes. Uh, the so place, if you're going to time travel, the time travel for donuts is, I think, a good, a good call. Yeah. Um, so what we thought we would do is because we're going to be talking about road trips and traveling, so we're not actually talking about local spots, but these places that when you're traveling might make you feel like you're at home. So what we thought we'd do is before we get into the Bible stuff is to just rank top five breakfast yeah. breakfast spots. Yes. So let's go back and forth. I think that's a good idea. What's your What made your number five? My number five was actually the Chick-fil-A breakfast. Okay. Yes. It was really easy after after runs to drive through and get some chicken and biscuits. And okay. It's just good. All right. It's a solid choice. Is chicken and biscuits, do you think, is it different than chicken and waffles? Does it have a... Yes, minus, minus the waffle plus the biscuit. Okay. Well, <laughs> I know it is different. I just wondered if it tastes different. Yeah. Uh, I think my number five spot is a classic, but it's just Starbucks. Oh, that's a great one. Right, because it's just uh, the baked goods mm -hmm. and the coffee, and it's just such an easy place to run in, use your app, and 
make you feel like you know where you are, even when you don't know where you are. Do you have the classic order? I like a good croissant. Okay. Yeah. From there, and the blonde roast. Yeah. So, and if I'm feeling wild, I also get the apple juice, but it's a juice box. That's okay. And it makes Talk me, about time travel. Yeah, it makes me feel like I'm five years old again. Mm -hmm. So my number five, classic Starbucks. Again, we're talking about like chain places, like the places you can find anywhere. Right. So, you know, the local coffee shop is preferable, but if you have to go with a chain. Starbucks, what's your number four? My number four is Waffle House. Okay. Pecan, pecan waffle. Okay. Pick, pick your poison. <laughs> yeah. I get insecure about how to pronounce it every time. Yes. Uh, David Wilcox has a, he's a folk singer. He has a great song about Waffle House, uh -huh. about uh, how it's just a, a resting place for all kinds of troubled souls. Yes. Uh, Waffle House was almost my number four, but I made a last second swap out. Did you? And gave it to First Watch. Okay. Because I, I love First Watch. Yeah, I like their trifecta there because you get the waffle, the bacon, the eggs, all the things. So, what's your what's your number three? My number three is Tim Hortons. I'm a sucker for the Tim bits. Oh yes, that's a that's a classic pick. Uh, I did that that Ragnar race in Canada. Yes. And it really is true that there are Tim Hortons like all over every 500 yards. There's uh, Tim Hortons available to you. Yes. So I think we had Tim Hortons probably 10 times in a 24-hour period. Okay. Yeah. Tim Hortons is special to me. Um, it, it, this has no accuracy to it, but in Chronicles of Narnia in the movie, they okay. eat something called Turkish delights, and okay. they look like powdered donuts. Um, from Tim, like Timbit powdered donuts. Okay. I can't imagine they have anything to do with each other, but I really like to eat them and pretend I'm in Narnia. All right. Ever I, since I was little, it was a tradition with my brother and I. I have heard that Turkish Delight is not actually very good. Right. That it's kind of gross. Timbits are good, though. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> okay. I'm okay with making that swap. Um, my number three is also some sweetness. I gave it to, to Krispy Kreme. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah, which you can't Especially find the everywhere. Song. They're not has not as easy to find as the Starbucks, but if they're there, I like a good chocolate glaze donut from Krispy Kreme. My teammates used to go dumpster diving for <laughs> oh, yes. donuts at Krispy Kreme. Yeah, I remember that in college. There was one around the corner from our college, and if you went at a certain time of night, you would find them dumping huge bags of donuts <laughs> into the dumpster. Sure yeah. And we have one night, I think it only happened once. We tried several times, but I think only one night we got there just right before they tossed him into the dumpster. Mm -hmm. And I it felt like magic to have saved rescue. It was a rescue, yeah. rescue operation. Res yes. We rescued all those donuts. Thank you for, <laughs> yeah. for what you do for Happy society. to do my part. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number two. My number two was um, Bob Evans. Okay. I love their um, caramel cappuccino. That's where a lot of my friends would go to reunite. Yeah. That's actually my number one. Oh, shoot. I so spoiled you spoiled it. Yeah. Oh, my number really, one isn't very satisfying. So we should have had, really we should disagree. Yeah. My, and mine is, I should say, most of my choices are emotional choices. Okay. But especially one and two. Because Bob Evans is like, before we found Gina's, Bob Evans was our family spot. So like growing up, most of my memories of going out to eat are Bob Evans. Okay. That's and awesome. I, there was a certain point as a kid, this is, I don't know why I'm telling this, but there was a certain point as a kid, I've mentioned before that I'm picky. Mm -hmm. There was a time as a kid where my order at Bob Evans was an, an, a side of bacon and then non-toasted bread and butter. Oh, was <laughs> picky. Yes, and it was like a, it was like I had to fight with them to be like, no, don't toast it. Like as a little kid, I remember being very adamant that they not add 
apply any heat to the bread. And would they? They would. But what a strange, what a strange thing for a kid to order. Room temperature bread. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but yeah, so many memories at, at the Bob Evans. And it is just a purely emotional choice for me to put it in number one. I should have put mine in number one, but yeah. I didn't. So what is your number one? Um, McDonald's. Okay. <laughs> I wondered if that would make an appearance on I our on our list. Love, 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 love their um, hotcakes. Okay. Yeah, I I, I do eat them um, on road trips when I'm driving. Yes. Which probably isn't the safest choice to be eating pancakes <laughs> on the road when you're. At Is a it meal. a dipping situation, or do you have to use a, a plastic fork and knife? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> For a while, I don't know if they still have it, but Burger King used to do these French toast sticks that you dipped in and they they did better for a travel for a travel meal okay so so we i gave away my number one was bob evans but yes. my number two spot goes to a classic roads road trip stop which is the cracker barrel oh my goodness it didn't even cross my mind yeah and it's it's solely because of the i love the their biscuits are yes, probably my favorite really thing good. yeah and uh, I remember learning about the Cracker Barrel, the reason they're all exactly alike, right? There's no variance in a Cracker Barrel. It's not like you go in and the store's on this side and the rest, they're all exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Even down to like the old shovels hanging on the wow. wall. I did not yeah, even know Yeah, everything is exactly the same. Like even the, the classic toys in the store are in the same spot. And it was a, like a thoughtful choice to them so that if you were in some strange land, like Indiana, or yeah. Tennessee, or Kansas, or wherever you were in the world, if you went into a Cracker Barrel, you would feel a sense of home. Like you would feel like, oh, well, I know where the root beer sticks are, and I know exactly what the biscuits are gonna taste like. And so it was a way for them to make people feel at home when they were on the road. That, that's a, a lovely sentiment, yeah. I think. Well, I think that's, a, that's what food does to us too, right? Like that's why we look for some of those comfort spots but we also want to adventure right. out find the local things sometimes yeah i wonder i've always felt a little bit um spooky when i walk into a cracker barrel and i okay. wonder if it was that eerie feeling um, of being almost too home yeah exactly you feel like you're stepping into like a, yeah. a warp zone or something but now that i know the sentiment maybe yeah. i'll feel a little less eerie and a little more welcomed and loved. Or it's because the hatchets are hanging above your head while you eat your breakfast. One or the other. <laughs> yeah, that can also be kind of creepy. Alright, so we've shared our top five. We'd love for you to chime in on what your top five breakfast joints are. Um, find us on Instagram at The Breakfast Translation. We're going to get into the, the script here, but uh, this has been uh, The Breakfast Translation on the road. We'll see you back in the studio. We're back. We've, we're, we've been on the road. Uh, we just, have. We're weary travelers. That's right. We've given our hot takes on the hot cakes. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to call our top five breakfast chains conversation. Yeah. And we did that because Saul Paul and sometimes Barnabas and sometimes Silas, also known as not Barnabas, and sometimes Timothy and sometimes Luke, this whole little crowd, uh, they're on the road. And this idea, we talked about this before, it goes back to the Gospels where Jesus sends out the 12. And not only does he send them out, he sends them out in teams or duos. And he also tells them to stay in people's homes. So that's what we see them doing when they're on the road. They're not, they're not going to Tim Hortons for breakfast. They're most likely staying in somebody's house and they get whatever the people offer them. 
So that's what we'll have to do next. We'll have to stay. We're going to travel, travel the globe. That's right. And then we're going to our listeners' homes and rank our breakfast that we received. Right. I mm-hmm. always feel like when you travel and you stay in somebody's house, you know, a lot of times they they put their best face on for lunch and dinner. So you might go out to lunch or dinner and then maybe maybe make something nice. But breakfast is where you really get a glimpse into their life. Would you would you agree with that assessment of hospitality? I- Totally agree. I feel like you have to jump right in on their routine. I know when I host, I usually try to think ahead of time about what I want to prepare for lunch and dinner. And every single time I think, oh crap, I I forgot about breakfast. I hope I have something that makes it look like I have it together in the morning. Yeah. And breakfast is like, it's not a thing where you can like just throw together some ingredients. It's usually, you know, you have to have, there's products you have to buy, right? Right. You have to have those breakfast products, the bagels or the pancake mix. And like, like we've talked about, it's maybe the meal where people have the most habits. So you need to know if your guest has a, has coffee expectations or has, you know, if they do cream and sugar, like, and if, or if they don't, then people are just left out of luck. Right. Right. Uh, uh, You said you had a story about this where you got to, you got to look into somebody's life through their breakfast. Yes. It reminds me, I got to stay with my, one of my pals who lives in Brooklyn and I had never been to New York before, and I got to jump in on her bodega breakfast routine um, and meet her. Like at at 7 a.m. every morning, she meets with Mark. She gets her apple. She gets the same <laughs> granola bar. He has it ready for her, and then she just told him to double it this time. <laughs> oh wow! I love that. So she has a place she goes. Uh, that have you in the Heights yet? No, I haven't. I know it's on HBO Max though, so I need yeah. to all right check Maybe it out. I actually subscribed to that one. Uh, so their bodegas, uh, feature pretty large into that. Um, and I, you know, when I lived in downtown Cincinnati, I will say breakfast, like going out and getting breakfast at coffee shops and places was, it was one of my favorite things. Cause it is like the, the city is fresh and everybody's a little bit happier than they are later in the day. And I don't know, there is just something about having a regular spot, you know, and like getting to know the people who are serving there. So, uh, I love that you got to you got to know about your friend's routine through that. I was just glad that she had had somebody to meet in the morning. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of build those relationships. I mean, I think if you're, a, you know, a lot of people have kind of a certain kind of friendship with the baristas, uh, you know, if you frequent coffee shops and stuff like that, it can be, especially during the quarantine. I feel like there were certain places I went regularly where I felt safe and where I got to kind of know the people working there in a different, you know, we were kind of holding on to each other a little bit in those moments, just those right. things that we take for granted, those exchanges, those kind of um, relationships kind of became even more important. Um, so again, I think breakfast is the key to human relationships. I think is yeah. what we're finding out every time we talk and about this. It's fun to picture all of those relationships forming with the disciples back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had, um, so they got to, to build those relationships that's how the gospel spreads right is through them staying in people's homes and talking over drinks other than coffee in the morning um but they have this other routine which is a lot of times in every city they go to the synagogue and this is still in this piece of the story this is still a part of what they do which is they go to the synagogue where the people are holding this very old story of who god is and how god might work through a messiah one day and very often Paul will go there and he'll tell the story of Jesus and this man who said these things and did these things and died on a cross and walked out of a grave. But more and more as you move through the book of Acts, he's finding more reception 
with with non-Jewish folks. And the Jewish people who have held on to their story for so long have a harder time letting go of what they know about God, whereas the Gentiles are maybe a little more open to this new story. And here we are in Acts 17, where Paul goes into Athens, and he does a thing that I, uh, I like to do in a city, if a new place, uh, if I'm in a new place, is, which is he just kind of does a walkabout. Mm-hmm. He, he's walking around in the city, learning about it through their artifacts, through their landmarks. And he sees that it's a city full, full of idols. And so he can see that they're into philosophy. He learns about the Epicureans and the Stoics, who they know. Uh, he kind of learns some of their sayings. He also seems to already kind of know some of their poets. And he pays attention to what he sees in the city so that when he stands up to speak, he's actually like quoting their own wisdom back to them. And this is what I think is is really brilliant from Paul is that he has a way of telling the story of who God is in a way that people are ready to hear. So he notices that among all their idols with names and stories, they have also taken the time to build an idol that's just to an unknown God. So he jumps all over this. Like you He says, I've got I've got a guy for you. Yeah. Let me tell you. And that's essentially what he does is say, let me introduce you to this God because he sees an openness in them. They're they're saying this thing that we might not know all the gods, you know, uh, which is a humility, you know, which is um, does kind of show that they're ready to maybe hear this this story he tells. And what I I like about Acts 17 is that you can see, you know, up till now. The story in the synagogue is, is almost always the same. The story we've heard Simon Peter tell, the story we heard Stephen tell, it's kind, they're kind of all the same. They're like recounting the oral history of the Hebrew people and how Jesus is the next chapter of that story. But here in this city where they have completely different authorities, uh, Paul uses completely different language. Like he, he fits Jesus into the stories that they know or that they are open to. Yeah, he paints kind of a broader picture of who God is. Um, My version of the Bible um, says, uh, and it's the Athenians talking, you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. And I I loved the way that 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 sat with me. Yeah. Their their openness and having the story of God being referred to as some strange ideas, just because it's never been unfamiliar to me before. So it it was really great to hear people who, are, are worshiping idols and our thinkers um, consider God in this way to open my open my mind up a little bit in a different different yeah. way. Well, and that's one of the notes that Luke gives us too is that they love talking about new stuff. Yeah. Yes, and in parentheses it said they always like to be talking about the latest ideas. Yeah, which I was like, oh, that's that's something that Americans maybe have in common. Um, with the Athenians, right, is this idea that if something is new, it's it's kind of more exciting to us. Um, there's a couple quotes from this speech that I just thought it'd be fun for us to kind of draw out and see if this still speaks to us. Um, one of the things I love is in verse 26, uh, Paul says, from one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. 
and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places there that where they would live again just kind of an open an open language like him telling the whole story of all of humans there and then he says so that they would search for god and perhaps grope for him and find him though indeed he is not far from each one of us and i wanted to us to just think about that that image there is almost like a person who they didn't have electricity back then, but to me, it always has made me think of like a person who's standing in the middle of a room and, and the lights go out and mm -hmm. that they have to kind of grope around for something solid uh, or something to hold on to. And I find that to be kind of a remarkable picture of what it is sometimes to believe that a God holds us. Um, I, it reminded me of when I was a kid my sister always thought it was really funny to turn the lights off on me when I was in the shower. Oh no. Because you have to get up to get ready for school. It'd be super early in the morning. So there'd be no natural light kind of coming into the little window in the bathroom. So, right. And she would turn the lights out and I had to learn how to finish my shower and get out without falling over in the dark. Oh um, man. It, it's a good trick. I, you should people should probably do that to brothers and sisters that is a good trick I personally all of my my least favorite horror scenes have taken place in in bathroom settings so I would not right. be a happy camper yeah because this is also the sister who showed me the movie Amityville Horror that did some damage in my brain for a while right um, yeah it's also the sister who plays our in, intro and outro music who I love dearly and and died at 34 so it's hard for me to but I have to remember the fullness of who she was is that she also turned the lights out on me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, As a sister but, should. Yeah. And it made me, made me stronger. That's what, that's yeah. what they do for us. Um, I, know. I just wondered if we could, could sit with that image for a little bit. Cause it also reminds me of Paul's own story is that the lights went out on him. Breast, they, they sure did. Yeah, his, <laughs> very, very real way. Yeah. His eyes went out and he had to reach in the dark for help. Um, and, so I wonder, does that, does that resonate with you at all? Like that idea of having to reach for God or feeling like we're stumbling around looking for God? I know it, it absolutely does to the, to the point that I um, was trying to picture a specific time in my journey to faith where that especially stood out, but it just seems to sort of summarize the whole, the whole <laughs> journey for that visual. And I'm grateful for somebody like Paul, who's had these very, literal connections with God, where God has spoken to him, um, where he's saying that this is an experience that other people feel. So I was grateful yeah. for it. I think ironically, maybe the only time I haven't felt like I was stumbling in the dark uh, has been in suffering. Uh, mm -hmm. There have been times where something was so hard or difficult. And those were the times when I didn't feel like I had to reach for God that I felt God may be reaching for me. Um, but it's only when things get really hard, like when, when they're not that difficult, I, I feel more like I'm in the dark. Um, what's interesting to me about his speech is that he goes right from that word picture of, of groping for God and finding him. He says, but maybe God has never been that far. Uh, he says, and then he quotes again, another one of their poets or their philosophers. He says, for in him, we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said. Um, and most scholars think this is from the Stoics, this, this, um, this line he quotes. Um, you said you had to learn about the Stoics a little bit in school. What do you, do you remember anything about them? 
Yes, I when I think of the Stoics, I think of very disciplined people, perhaps even I, the word punishment comes to mind. Like, yeah, I think they did have yeah, a strong sense of disciplining yourself towards faith, towards goodness, towards justice, and this sense that if everybody was just reasonable, then society would thrive. Um, and so this this statement, I've always thought of it as like the most poetic idea that uh, and maybe a mystical idea, but it actually comes from maybe more rational roots. But uh, I think it's this tension Paul's playing with that we're searching for God and God is already right here, uh, which is also uh, Joan Chittister, who's a, a Benedictine nun, has this quote I've always thought about that we're always looking for God anywhere but where we are. Um, mm. That we're often convinced God is somewhere else and that we either have to travel or change um or stretch to like get to god grope in the dark (laughs) yeah right but she says the reason we do all that work is because we we haven't learned how to be present to god um we haven't learned how how true this is that god is available to us in every living room or in every car ride or every conversation um and so i think we see just a glimpse of paul working that out because he's going to work that out even more in his letters uh this idea of the spirit of god being close and of god's grace always meeting us wherever we are and we get just a hint of that here uh in athens uh also just i appreciate that paul uses poets Uh, you know that he he doesn't have too much pride to realize that um, he has to always say it the best, you know, that he realizes um, that somebody else has already said the thing he's trying to say. Uh, and I always, I always appreciate that. Um, yeah, people building upon each other. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he also gets into idolatry here, which is an old idea that shows up. Uh, one of my most favorite passages in the Hebrew scriptures is Isaiah 44, where the the prophet kind of mocks people worshiping idols he's like how could you worship something like you've seen them make it you (laughs) you watched the people like mold the idol and put the idol in the fire and paint it you saw them make it so how then do you confuse this thing that you saw a person make with a god um which often makes me think about the things that i get kind of close to worshiping that are not at all worthy of it (laughs) Um, right absolutely absolutely which is an ongoing theme uh, in acts i've been complaining a lot lately about my phone uh, because after the latest iphone update my phone turned into a virtual battery fire (laughs) it's just so it goes (laughs) and uh and it but it is this like thing of oh the things you that we make are very delicate and not quite worthy of all of our worship uh where has here's a god who is ever present but also something you have to be in awe of it it brings to mind this passage one of my favorite lines from it's frederick Buechner quoting paul tillich so this idea of quoting people who say it better than you is an old old idea and i'm triple a it up by quoting somebody who said a thing another person said but it talked about being uh, at the beach um which it's summertime so this works this metaphor works 
but how God is like the ocean in that you could be standing on the beach and not, and barely be able to understand the vastness of God, right? That this grasping, this groping, like feeling like the, the lights have been turned out and you can never really understand how big and powerful God is, but how God is also like the salts you can taste and like the ocean spray that's in your face. Um, the All God of the is, senses. Yeah, that God is intimate, uh, but also giant. <laughs> you know, have you ever had that feeling? I mean, we've been to Jamaica, right? We stood on the on the coast there and felt that the closeness of the ocean. Oh yeah. But also how intimidating and giant and overwhelming it can feel at the right. very same time. Right. Uh, and I've always just loved that picture of God that we also we need we need both things. And I think Paul is maybe introducing that here to the Athenians who want God to be this tiny little idol that they can carry home in their pocket, um, but who also know enough to know that they don't understand everything about God. Um, it's worth saying this speech is like studied in all kinds of places, has like one of the best rhetoric uh, pieces ever performed. Oh, wow. Um, so... It's worth at least giving Paul a little bit of uh, cred for that. Absolutely. So hard to say what he had for breakfast this day, but whatever it was, it, it fueled some pretty good. You <laughs> fueled a, an excellent speech. Some pretty good thought processes going on here. Uh, so we want to thank you for uh, joining in on us in Athens. We hope uh, that if you go on Instagram and follow along with us at the Breakfast Translation uh, you can also weigh in on our our hot cakes, hot takes on whether we got the top five breakfast chains right or wrong. Uh, and on your, maybe let us know your favorite thing to eat uh, when you're traveling. And uh, we hope also as we come to the, we're getting close to the end here, Keaton. We're, we're getting into the, the dwindling pages of Acts uh, where in a little while, it's just going to be a big, long courtroom drama. <laughs> Yeah, they're almost gonna, all acted out. Yeah, it's just going to be a big old Law and Order episode. Uh, so we'll do that coming up. Um, but we also want to keep on uh, fueling that need for questions and responses. Our hope is at the end of this first season to do a leftovers episode where if there's anything we missed or anything we should have talked about more or less, <laughs> uh, then people can can let us know about that also on the on the Instagram Um or they can find us hanging out at Bob Evans or the Cracker Barrel somewhere along the road. <laughs> or we'll just show up on their couch and demand. Yeah, I think, I think that's the next step. Yeah, I do love that idea that we just hit the road and we, we couch surf and we demand to see people's um, cereal pantries. <laughs> and then we judge them accordingly. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us on The Breakfast Translation. Story.